Episode 36, with me, artist and designer, Dario Kelmes. Welcome to the Institute of Black Imagination. I'm your host, Dario Kelmes, an artist, writer, brand consultant, and generally curious fellow. And each week we bring you a conversation from the pool of black genius to inspire, engage, and help you unleash your own imagination. Today's episode is a special one. This time, it's me in the hot seat. In an extremely candid conversation with our inaugural IBI fellow, Adam Saleh. Adam is an anti-disciplinary designer and current senior at UC Berkeley, studying computer science and linguistics. So what is the Institute of Black Imagination? How did this even start? Well, the Institute of Black Imagination began as a library when I acquired roughly 2,000 books from the personal archive of the late, great, multi-hyphenate artist Jeffrey Holder back in 2018. And what I encountered in Jeffrey was a mentor, and what I encountered in his archive was a roadmap, a blueprint to creativity. I quickly understood how much input it took to create an output like that, and I sought to find funding to create a physical space to house the collection, and also give access to other black and brown creatives to explore, be inspired, and ignite their own imaginations. Not to be deterred or wait for permission to begin, I launched the IBI podcast in May of 2020 from my living room with the hopes of building community and creating an oral history archive of mentors, the kind I struggled to find in popular media as a curious little black boy from the suburbs of St. Louis. And, well, here we are. As I pursued my own curiosity, I landed into the world of design, and it struck me. The world we live in has been designed. And by whom? For whom? From the chair you're sitting in, to the phone in your pocket, to the building you currently find yourself in, it was all once an idea in someone's head. We're literally living in embodied ideals, and just because it exists now doesn't mean that we can't dream a new dream. What appears fixed and solid is actually quite malleable. And with a world not designed with us in mind, the oppressed have continually hacked and remixed and jerry-rigged these design systems to map onto our own lived experiences, and in the process not only brought about our liberation, but that of others as well. Enter the Institute of Black Imagination. Consider this your formal invitation to join our universe. This conversation with Adam covers a range of topics and provides a window into the way that I view and move through the world. And I must admit, I'm a little nervous releasing this out into the world. Uh, but, you know, let me know your thoughts over on Instagram and Twitter at Black Imagination. And for sure, check us out over on our new digital interactive platform, blackimagination.com. And without further ado, I guess, here we go.
So I feel like, you know, where I wanted to start with this whole interview is actually just kind of like prefacing our relationship. Um, because I think this is like an interesting chance to, uh, to understand like the genesis of Daria. Um, because this is like the inflection point where it's like, all right, well now, now we get to have you on the IVI. You know what I mean? So um, first I want, I want you to get into kind of like your identities. So I understand you as like a, a polymath, you know? And I think a lot of other people do. I think this is like uh, part of the image that is projected socially is like you are a true polymath. You know, you're an artist, a photographer, uh, you're a curator, a director, and now kind of a founder and CEO. And I want to know, like, where do you feel like you sit most inside of those identities? Or do you feel like you are really just a polymath and you kind of exist in this, in this nebula? Um, that's a really, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, but that's like a really interesting question. Um, you know, I think identity um, or the need to be identified or defined is something that on one hand, I would say I have fought against like most of my life, but not really fighting, right? Fighting feels very aggressive, but something that I've always had to like kind of dodge because people want to somehow understand you or place you on some spectrum of value. Um, and I'm just like, technically I'm just me. Like, I'm just trying to be me. And from the inside looking out, I'm just interested in the world. I'm interested in who, um, who or what I can be and do in the world. Um, and so I just kind of follow my curiosities to a place of like, okay, maybe that's not the path, but usually by that time I'm so far gone that, you know, it, it looks like, you know, I'm a dancer or like I played a piano or, you know, I'm an incredible singer or whatever, because I just do a deep dive in these things. Um, but yeah, it's, it's really interesting because I also find that it's actually not as unique um, as one would think. Like, I think, you know, obviously we have this concept of the Renaissance man, so it's not new. Um, but I think on the opposite side, it should be like, not how are you such a polymath, but why do we as individuals limit ourselves? Mm. Right. Because I think we all have multiple quote-unquote identities, or I think we all have incredible expanded versions of ourselves that we're denying ourselves because we align ourselves to specific identities and professions that then keep us from other modalities of being. So for example, I think of someone like Oprah Winfrey. Like Oprah Winfrey could have been just an actress. Right, like she was actually nominated for an Academy Award, like which most people who dedicate their life to acting like don't even achieve. But Oprah saw an expanded version of herself. She saw herself as more than that. And because of that, 
you know, because she aligned herself not to like her ego, but to service, she was able to make a much larger impact on the world and is able to make a much larger impact on the world because she didn't necessarily define, define herself by something she was good at. Mm. And so, you know, and not that I'm saying like I'm Oprah or anything like that, but like that's really more how I view myself. Like what I'm able to do does not necessarily define who I am. So if someone says, you know, oh, Dario is a photographer, I think, okay, yes, that's true. I can take photos um, and I enjoy taking photos, but there's a much larger part of me, right? I have many interests. Like when I was an actor, it's actually why I stopped performing because I always needed to look like my headshot and I needed to, you know, fit into these stereotyped roles, right? Of me as like some thug or, you know, some uh, disenfranchised youth. That was completely not who I was. And I was like, but I want to go learn French and I want to grow my hair out. Like, you know, like I just felt boxed in. So I kind of dissolved that. So I don't know, does that answer your question? Is like that good? Yeah. How did, you, how did you find space to explore these different arms that, that sparked your curiosity? Yeah, I never had a real job. <laughs> that's, okay. that's, I never had a real job. Um, never had like a corporate job. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think, you know, may, maybe I started when I was young, you know, um, you know, and coming from a family that's very musical um, and also like multifaceted. You know, my father's a pastor, but also a substance abuse therapist. My mother is a nurse, but like also a seamstress. Um, and so, you know, I started piano when I was young. I grew up singing um, and my parents just kind of, maybe it's, maybe it's great um, looking back, but they just let me kind of follow my curiosity, you know, like if I wanted a microscope, like I got a microscope, I want a telescope, I got a telescope, like, and so I was always just like super curious. Um, and yeah, and just kind of curious about like what this body held, right? Mm. And I knew that I wouldn't know that unless I tried it and trust and believe, like there are many things I've tried that I was like, this is not it, like karate definitely not it for me like at the time or like I don't know surgery or something like I don't know um but maybe if I applied myself but that was it like I just wanted to know what was possible you know and I just yeah. needed that and I think maybe saying no to um well-worn paths has allowed for that because those well-worn paths are well-worn because capital wants those paths well-worn, right? And capital um, has created an educational system to make you a very good, dedicated, middle management worker. Like that is what the education system is uh, designed to do. And I think a lot of that space-making came from denying that, you know, rebelling in a way, kind of rebelling against these 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 systems i just kind of listen to myself yeah so 
you know, in listening to yourself, I, I think we, everything you mentioned kind of hints at this idea of expression. Like you are in this constant pursuit to express yourself and to chase your curiosity. And we had a conversation one time um, about design tools. I think that's something we connected. We connect a lot about design and design tools and themes and design. And you said something one time, you said, design is a tool we use to bring our thoughts into space time. And I think, okay, so on the one hand, we have this, this life that you are continuously designing for yourself. But I think on the other hand, like, could you expound on that? Because I think that was something that sparked my curiosity is how you define design. Cause I think everyone has different definitions of what design is. So could you continue to expound on that definition? Yeah, 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 man. Um, yeah, it's a pretty broad, it's a pretty broad definition of design, but yeah, I view design as any technology to bring thought into space time, meaning, you know, anything that we are experiencing on this side of consciousness, right? In our lived experience, anything that like the chair you're sitting on, um, the table that your computer rests on, the coffee mug that I'm having this coffee out of, at one time was an idea. Like it was a concept. It was a sketch on a piece of paper from, you know, the building that we're in to the car we're driving was once immaterial. How do we bring immateriality into existence? And design is that lever, is that technology um, to do so. And so then when you define design simply as that technology, then you realize that there are multiple types of design frameworks that we find ourselves in, including language, right? Like language is also a translation of thought, right? It is a way to bring this immaterial emotion, right? An emotion um, or feeling um, or sensation into space-time, but language is really just a bunch of, you know, plosives and consonants um, that really don't make any sense, but they're agreed upon symbols that we say, like when I say right, like a cow, like the picture in your mind and the picture in my mind, hopefully are generally around the same or approximately the same. And so it's just a way of, you know, bringing this into, you know, an existence so that we can communicate with each other so that we can um, align ourselves to the same kind of story um, and be abstract about that, right? Like the cow doesn't have to be here physically. We can actually speak about it and think about it without it actually physically being here. Um, but in that, once you understand that, and I think that's so important, um, understanding that it's all been designed. Because once you realize that, then you realize that it can be changed. Mm. Then you realize that this thing that feels solid is actually malleable. And it only feels solid because 
you were born into it. It was here before you got here. And so you then just take it as fact. History is the same, right? History has been designed. Uh, we know that there's more history that existed that has been written. Um, and many times we don't question that history. We just take it as if um, it's you know real or material um, because it existed before we got here. And I think what that does, what that allows for is it returns a sense of agency to the individual. Because once you realize that the things that I was born into do not have to stay this way, just like one person at one time designed this building, I can be the person to dream a new dream. Wow, yeah. And then, then the question is, what are you dreaming and who are you dreaming it for? Um, what is the world that you imagine for the future, right? Um, how are you creating or dismantling um, seemingly oppressive or just generally not functional design frameworks? And we see this happen all the time. Perfect example, tomorrow, Apple is releasing like their new MacBook Pros, thank God. But what they're doing is like actually going back. Like they released these MacBook with these touch bars and they got rid of all of the ports that people like fucking loved. And they're actually going back to what actually worked. After years of saying, this is what, this is, this is the future and this is where we are. And so what that says is, what if we're just living in like a shitty MacBook Pro world? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which means like there are things, there are intelligences, there are, there's information that we know. There's things that we've actually done before that fucking worked. And just because this is what we have right now doesn't mean that this is what we must have moving forward. And so we see this happen in design all the time, but we don't realize we're also living in design. So I think that's really the question, right? Like, how do we just be better? And I think that that's something that everybody wants to be. I think everybody wants to be the best version of themselves, you know, and, you know, understanding the systems and the design frameworks that have been in place that have you know, kept people from being the best version of themselves. You know, you know, underfunded schools, lack of access, you know, to information, even fucking language or words, right? Like it was literally illegal in this country to teach black people how to read and write. Like that's a design element, right? Like that's that's like really specific. But what does that mean? Um, when we allow everyone access to their own imaginations and as much information as they are curious about to then be the best version of themselves. But if you can't see it, if you've never had access to it, then you don't even know it's possible. It's then rendered invisible. And it's interesting because that actually goes back to language, right? Um, because you don't have words if you don't have a vocabulary that even speaks to your lived experience and your perceptivity, then it also is written 
invisible. And then you're kind of left with what Toni Morrison calls a hunch. Yeah. And I think that, you know, marginalized people are full of fucking hunches. You know, I just have a feeling, but they don't have the words to actually express it. And so uh, also at Toni Morrison, she's like, so they end up writing a universe in invisible ink. Yeah. So I have two questions that come from this, right? And another thing that we connect on a lot is linguistics. Mm -hmm. So the, the two kind of ideas that I have from this is, when did you come to realize uh, that everything is designed? When was that, when did you have that inflection point? Because I do feel like it requires kind of like an awakening. I know you you do a lot of reading. Was there a point when you realized kind of there was like life before reading this book, life before having this realization, and then life after it? Um, was it some sort of project that you did or was it an experience in your upbringing? that kind of revealed design to you as this greater object or was it something else? Um, I think it was like a series um, of things. I think, um, you know, like anything um, in the natural world, you know, there is a level of um, development, right? Like a seed being planted, but the corn doesn't arrive the next day. Um, and so I think that seed was planted when I went to, um, I did a fellowship with a new museum called Idea City in Athens, Greece. And they chose like 40 people from around the world to quote unquote, just, you know, gather around this city like in distress. And so I was there with mostly like architects and um, urban, no, I'm sorry, industrial designers, and urban planners. And we, there was one panel there and someone said, and I don't even remember the context, but they said, all design is predictive. Mm. And they might've even said it kind of like flippantly, but that's something that really stuck with me. Like meaning that the designer is predicting or even dictating how the end user is going to interact with this object. Rarely is there a modular or an adaptive function on the user end. And that was kind of the seed because that was a that was a that was a frame change for me. Because when I left that, then I like went back out into like the world and like I would be in uh, you know Boston, like shady fucking traffic for no reason at like you know 11 a.m. <laughs> whatever, and I was like, but I could see that it was in the plan of the city. Mm -hmm. You know, that this was just shitty urban planning, actually, mm -hmm. that affects our lives on a daily basis, right? So like, that was maybe like the beginning and like, we're just being given this shit and just forced to deal with it. But we didn't ask for it. Like we didn't, we didn't, we didn't have a say in how this is supposed to go. And so that was like probably the seed of it. Um, and then that just 
that was really the catalyst for my interest in design because I was like, oh, and, well, if then it's predictive and we don't, we're kind of just kind of stuck with it, well, then who's doing the designing, right? You know what, you know, it's interesting. As I, as I grow and learn, it's, I'm, I'm learning that it's actually not about getting the answers. It's about evolving to asking better questions, right? And so that phrase, all design is predictive, like then opened up a new set of questions. Well, okay, then who is designing this? Like not even just the names, but like what group of people and then what is the intention behind this design? And does this design, like do the outcomes of this um, design element meet the intention of the designer? Or maybe it does. Um, and so it just, I just started to ask and ask more questions. Then I'm like, okay, well then where are the black designers, right? And like, and what are they designing? And where are they? Right, and so then I went to this conference at Harvard called Black and Design um, at the Harvard GSD in 2017. And then I found like, oh wait, these are my people. Okay, I don't have to be Beyonce and I don't have to be LeBron. Like these, these like, you know, design geeks who are like really thinking about the world at scale. Like this is the kind of conversation that I wanna be a part of. And so I just kind of continued to pursue it and then I think there was also uh, uh, a level of spirit like involved in it as well. Um, you know, in, you know, in meditation, realizing that, you know, I am a part of what I am seeing. I am a part of what I am experiencing. And not only am I a part of it, I am co-creating it at any given moment. Um, and so realizing like my role in my reality, that, that reality is not happening to me, right? That there is not some other that is acting upon me, but I am actively participating um, in my experience. Um, and then, um, so yeah, so there's like just a multiple, multi-layered, Kind of expansion around this concept. Another was, um, this is actually kind of funny, but I accidentally got really high one night before I was supposed to fly for a trip. Like I had a vape pen that was stuck, like it, like the oil was stuck and I was like sucking it, like trying to like unlodge it. And like, I took this massive hit. I mean, Bro, it's crazy. I was so high. I was so high. Unintentionally. Um, then I had a flight the next morning. And like, next thing I knew, like, I found myself like on 125th Street in Harlem trying to deposit a check at like two o'clock in the morning. So high. I was, and then I started like freaking out. I was like, what am I doing? Like, I'm going to miss my flight. Um, and then I stopped. And I was like on the corner of Frederick Douglass and 125th. And I looked around and I was like, everything is consciousness. Mm. I was like, everything is consciousness. Like everything. Consciousness is powering 
this whole matrix. It's all thought. It's all ideology. And what we view as solid is just slowed down light, right? Like it's this really slow moving light. That's it. And the only reason we even view it as solid is because of our relationship to it. That, 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 that matter is relative. Because if we zoom in or we zoom out, we realize everything is in motion always. There's nothing that is static. The more we go in, the more we can go in, right? Like the, we find that it's you know, infinite both at the micro and at the macro. But everything is in motion. And you know, what I view as solid, liquid, or gas is not necessarily about it, but more my relationship to it, right? It's about energy, literally, right? It is literally energy, like water, less energetic water is ice, more energetic water is gas. Yeah. And, you know, and it, you know, speak, I mean, shit, Einstein has a theory called the theory of relativity. So when you realize that things are relative and relational, um, then you realize that, well, I can't control this building, right? And I can't even control like my society. But I seem to have some kind of agency over myself. And so I can, instead of changing it, I can change my relationship to it, right? So if something feels insurmountable, if something feels overwhelming, I may not be able to affect it, but I can affect my relationship to it. I can shift and do the work to change my relationship to what seems to be external. And so I'm, I'm going down like a deep rabbit hole, but essentially, um, what was the question? <laughs> well, well, the question was, like when, the, oh, when, when did this idea of like design and understanding? Yeah, yeah, design? but I mean, yeah, and so, yeah and, so, answer, yeah. yeah and so and so that's a part of like that evolution that it began with the concepts that i heard in greece and from that i just started asking different questions that led me down different paths that allowed me to uh see the world like through a different lens um and understand that there are we have so much intelligence and so much power within us um, that I think that's, I think what people uh, kind of are trying to get at when they say like, oh, they say we only use 10% of our brain. No bitch, use all of your fucking brain. Like what the fuck you But what they, what they really mean, what they mean is that maybe we're just not using all of our mind, right? Yeah. And, and you know, my corset, at Parsons, decolonizing the gaze, fashion, race, and the aesthetics of visual design is meant just to do that, for you to realize that the world you live in is one, not innocent, two, not benign, um, and three, you have agency in it. Um, because if you then realize that we do live in a world that has been designed and that there are intentions behind those designs, um, but if you don't question them, then you just perpetuate them. 
and that's it. So it's to really stop that cycle of passive perpetuation of oppression um, due to just sheer ignorance um, about the ways in which the world is even created. Yeah, yeah. So is any part of this, it sounds to me, this, this, you call it a rabbit hole, but I think this is just like a perfect stream of consciousness in response to the question. It sounds like it became like increasingly spiritual. Design as a, as a, as a concept became like an extension of your humanity, a way at which to examine like the vastness of the human experience. And especially after you have, uh, you know, you said you were really high. I mean, it's a, it's a moment of, of elevated perception, yeah. right? And oftentimes those moments are linked to meditation, right? On either extreme, whether that's experiencing extreme quiet and stillness or experiencing, uh, you know, like a euphoria, whether it be a positive or negative euphoria, right? Um, so, like, can you can you speak to maybe design and and art and uh, expression as part of your spirituality? Do you feel I like I don't think I, there's no way for it to even even like be divorced, right? Okay. Like there's no, it has to be, right? Because if we are, we, we, we ourselves, like our actual physical bodies are a desired manifestation, right? Like we also are an uh, accumulation of an intention. And if we are, you know, in tune with that, and when I say in tune, I don't mean like knowing. I don't think there's any way to actually know, but maybe to be in tune with like our emotions, be in tune with, uh, you know, that's, you know, people call it like that still small voice. I don't think it's always some still small voice, but sometimes it's just an intention. I'm sorry, an impulse, right? To call somebody or to pick up that book versus this book or to choose that outfit versus this outfit, or to grab those glasses other than those glasses. You know, it's about paying attention to those because I think so many times we overthink it. You know, mm. we overthink desire. We overthink sometimes like our impulses. Um, and I'm not saying that all of them are like, we just follow every single thing that, every single thought that comes into our head. Um, but it's in that, that I think the spirit or spirituality or whatever, whatever is gazing through me, um, that is what it's after. And so whatever I create, whatever I design, whatever I experience, whatever I read is spirit expressing itself. Right, there is no separation mm. between the two. And I think that, you know, um, you know, I think, I can't, I can't speak to depression, but I can, I, I'll say like the cultural malaise that we find ourselves in, um, 
you know, um, white nihilism um, or just nihilism in, in general, like which is you know just kind of not wanting to even be alive, has a lot to do with our our consistent denial of what is actually burning within us, right? And then resenting the world because we listened to what was designed for us, even though it was not designed with us in mind. Wow. And yeah. we're dealing with the dissonance of those two things. And the next thing you know, you look up and you're 50 with three kids in a marriage and you actually never really wanted to be married, but your parents were pressuring you. And you found this woman and you got her fucking pregnant, but you had to get married. And like, you know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. but, you know, you, you, you went to all the right schools and you studied really hard, you know, to be a medical doctor, but you really just wanted to be a painter. And so I think it's, you know, the perpetual denial of our own um, desires and experiences that um, cause a lot of what we're dealing with today and the alignment with identities, again, that were designed not with any individual in mind that don't necessarily map onto your lived experience. And we see this happening in many ways. Like if you speak about like, you know, um, you know, sexuality, right? It's like, first it was like LGBT, then it's like LGBTQ, then it's LGBTQI, then LGBTQIA, then it's LGBTQIA plus, and then everybody else is straight. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense. It's like, yeah. obviously there's a spectrum here and we keep adding letters to try to like bring it all in. Or you could just let people fucking be, right? Because even myself, and I'm sure yourself as well, even within your lifetime, you shifted interests and desires. You know, one day, you know, all of a sudden you like eggs or one day you all of a sudden just like fucking hate eating red meat. So you just stop. Like, we're all constantly growing and changing, but I think this come we can, and we can't divorce this from you know the industrial revolution. We cannot divorce this from colonialism. We cannot just just you know um, we can't decouple this from the very British need to categorize and list um, and identify every single fucking thing, right? like like taking a carrot and cutting it up into different pieces and naming them all different things. It's like, no bitch, it's just a carrot. You know, and that's what we've done, right? That's what we've done to nature. Like, like, yeah. like it is the study of the separation of the whole and forgetting that it's all the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I think it requires both lenses um, in order to maybe get at the heart of it. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't see any separation um, between like spirit and or spirituality um, and what, what I'm doing and producing. What it does allow for, I believe, is maybe a better understanding of how I'm moving and maybe why, and maybe why I feel certain ways about certain things because there's maybe work that needs to be done, how I've attracted certain things into my life because obviously this is something that I need to evolve into or expand into. Um, 
you know, and so and just those relations, right? Like just just maybe getting a clear understanding, like even today, for instance, you know, I was meditating and um, having this crazy skin flare up with, you know, uh, wearing masks for, for a job last week and, and thinking like I had some like way to speed this along, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like let me go to the institution, let me get a fucking needle and like, it's like, I am literally resting in something so much more intelligent than I am. Like my ego is, my consciousness is. Like my body is way more fucking intelligent than I am. What the fuck do I think I'm doing trying to usurp it? Mm. I could just let it do its thing, right? Because it knows what it's doing, right? It's like, you know, being pregnant and trying to like punch your stomach to get the baby out. It's like, uh, babe, like let it let like the body knows what it's doing. Like the body knows. Like just let the body do it. Um, and thinking about, okay, but what is that? What is ego? Mm-hmm. When I am existing in intelligences that far exceed anything that I could actually think like consciously think to do um and so then is ego just focused right is ego just um what what ram does calls like a spotlight consciousness versus like a floodlight consciousness ego is just what i'm paying attention to you know and then ego then kind of becomes very immaterial and light um and then kind of like not really real uh and so like that's a way in which like you know meditation or spirituality allows for a different understanding of what i'm doing and how i'm doing it in the world you know i have a call with a business partner and now i can realize i don't it just is right i don't have to judge it i don't have to have an opinion about it it's just data and then I can act on that day. Yeah. And release the ego, right? Yeah. So that's a way in which they can relate. Beautiful. I, I think it's this, this conversation about ego is interesting because, um, because of the re- relationship that I've defined between design and meditation and throughout my experience discovering that for me design is a meditation and like then understanding what the relationship between like ego and meditation is so it's just kind of like we're talking about dissonance you know you have uh this societal schema that we have and then we have like the actual path forward and then when they brush up against each other you get this like anxiety right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, anxiety, mm-hmm. anxiety that you are now pushing against the grain that you've been conditioned uh, to go towards, right? And then, you know, oftentimes I, I draw another set of parallels, which is like the ego is the, is the beaten path, right? The ego mm-hmm. is, is, is uh, the, the societal conditioning, right? 
And then everything else is this like rational brain. It's the fact that my body is an intelligent system, you know, that has gone mm-hmm. through 300,000 years of evolution, mm-hmm. right? And it knows what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And then the, the, the meditation is the opportunity for me to disconnect from that ego. Yeah. And because I've now defined meditation as design, I have, mm-hmm. I have now discovered design mm-hmm. as a tool to mm-hmm. disconnect myself from mm-hmm. these from these schemas that I have, mm-hmm. you know, that I've walked in for so long and create something that is like a truer expression of, mm-hmm. of the experience the world has given me through evolution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and the question I want to ask you is like, how do you continue that growth in your life from day to day? I know you read a lot. Yeah. Right? And one of the things I'm curious about is like, do you feel that reading equips you to continue detaching yourself from ego because you're understanding all of these other uh, consciousnesses, right? It's like we're talking about perceptual yeah. relativity, right? Like you, you see all these other perspectives. It allows you to further detach yourself from your single-sided kind of window of, 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 of perception. So I, I want to hear more about that. Yeah, man, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's not necessarily even just reading, although I do read a lot. I think it's just like tapping in, like you said, to other consciousnesses, right? Um, You know, people left behind roadmaps on how they think about things. Um, You don't have to come up with everything your fucking self. Like you, you know, you know, I, I, that's why I quote a lot, right? Because other people can get at the thing in a way that I can't quite do it. And so I'm always, if I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm listening to an audiobook, if I'm not listening to an audiobook, you know, that I'm reading, like I'm just constantly, constantly um, ingesting information. Um, and, you know, and sometimes information that expands my mind in a way that I never could have even imagined. And it's because we're all living in our own fucking universe. So why would I, and the, I think the, the ego is the thing that makes you wanna stay in yours, mm. you know? Instead, like, for example, I'm reading a book now called Dubs by Alexis Pauline Gums, who is, um, you know, a black woman um, academic. And it's a book of poetry but she's speaking about like mammalian life in the water and like how these are also our relatives and these are also our ancestors and how there's an intelligence um, that they have that we can tap into because we are they as well, right? And what does it mean to even be you know, a human being as a design framework. And a lot of her work is based on the work of um, Sylvia Winter, who is a Caribbean academic as well, who's now 93, who's 
done incredible, incredible work, particularly around the concept of what it means to be human um, and how, again, that the idea of what being a human um, is has been, been defined by a very European colonial view, right? And what it means to be human, what it means to be a human relationship to nature, all of these things. And so by accessing Alexis Pauline Gums and the ways in which she's viewing the world, like it then expands my consciousness or again provides a different set of words, right? A more expanded vocabulary to maybe speak to what I perceive, or not even what I perceive, but what I think is possible for not only myself, but us as human beings, right? It allows for perhaps, again, another set of questions or even maybe even answers to how to solve for some of the questions that we've all been asking, right? Because all of the things we see are really answers to questions people had and shit. I mean, even you know the invention of like race was an answer to a question that you know white Europeans had on how are we going to make all this land work? You know, like mm -hmm. we're existing in a lot of these things, and so um, you know, and then also you know again being curious about myself, so understanding the different ways in which my mind processes information um, and that, you know, like literally reading words on a page um, with, you know, direct light is very different. Like it's a different experience for my mind than reading words backlit on an iPad or words that I then write into a notebook versus words that I type into a computer versus words that I hear audibly, you know, in uh, an audio book or a podcast versus words that I see coming out of someone's mouth as I listen to them on YouTube and being really aware of how my mind processes those different ways of taking in information. Because there are many times that I've listened to audiobooks and I'm like, fuck, no, I need to buy the book. Because there's, I, I like, I need to actually get in. Like, I need to like sit and think with these things, mm -hmm. and that I can only do in a physical book. It's hard to do that in an audio book, right? There's no way to take notes in my mind. Um, and then there are some things that are just like, this is just modalities of being. That's just information. Great, I can just listen to that. And so, being really um, specific about how I ingest information. And what is that information? What type of information is that? Because if we are anything, we are just really, really complex filters. Um, and you know, we can only output what we input. And so those inputs really affect our output and it's gonna come out, right? And, and I think when we speak about, you know, when Miles Davis says, it takes a long time to sound like yourself, I think it's, you know, letting those channels really be open, right? Those channels of interpretation of the world that we've experienced. And then on that output side, you know, because even in art, and I think that's why art is so interesting because it does get at the spiritual, it does get at the immaterial. And you can tell when an artist is not being true to themselves and you can't quite 
say why, you can't quite like speak to it, but you know when something is blocked mm-hmm. or when something is really free flowing. And I think that's it, right? Like it's really the art of allowing, like you said, you know, that process of dismantlement is the dismantling of the social conditioning that has been put upon you, right? That has been predicted, that has that has dictated how you're supposed to interact with this design. And, you know, slowly sloughing away at those layers, those calcified, um, you know, layers of identity to get to what is actually trying to come through. Um, and so in that way, I think education isn't necessarily all bad, right? Like, it's great to have a vocabulary. It's great to know how to read and write and you know, think of these kind of concepts and precepts, but there needs to be you know, another kind of uneducation that, that allows for an expression, like an individual expression of one's lived experience. Yeah, totally. So you just, you just laid out kind of this, this framing of how you, have gained context uh, of the world, right? Um, and how you interact with, with different contexts. And like that being said, what I'm curious about now is like, what are you excited for? You know, I see you as someone who, who does kind of, uh, who has experienced many perspectives you know, through your own education, through your own experience, you've explored a lot of things. And I'm curious as to, you know, like what, what, what's exciting you right now? What are you, what are you excited to see come over the horizon? Like get into it, man, fall down the rabbit hole. (laughs) What am I excited about? Um, You know, I'm excited to, um, continue to challenge myself. You know, I think those are the things that are very exciting when you are called to become, you know, an expanded version of yourself, I think, like, and then becoming it. You know, I think that's exciting. Like, that's super exciting to me. Um, And the ways that that's manifesting now is, you know, I'm really excited about the Institute of Black Imagination. Um, I'm excited about its possibilities um, and the, the work that we're doing in the world. And I'm excited to bring that work um, you know, into the world. But I'm also excited about the process, you know, the process of it, because the process or the quote unquote work, everything requires work. Everything requires work uh, on some level. Um, but it is the process of becoming that's the most enjoyable. Um, And it's not always fun and it's not always pretty, but man, there are certain things you can only know by experience. And so I'm excited to then gain that experience and then share it, right? Share it with other people because, you know, if I share it, if we share, then that makes it much easier for someone further down the line. They don't have to start at the beginning. They don't have to go through every single fucking step that you had to, and that's it. Like we're all 
building off of the work of others, right? Like there's actually no way that we could otherwise. Um, and so for me, like that's exciting. And, and knowing that what, how these things will manifest will probably be completely different than the ideas that I have in my head. Mm. And that's exciting, right? That's exciting the ways in which, you know, the universe surprises, you know, and delights you. Um, and leaving space for delight, leaving space for the surprise um, and getting real. But I think, you know, in that, it's really more than about getting close to the intention, right? Because the results you never really can ever really predict. Um, but if you just align yourself with the intention, like, it's incredible. Even even like our connection, right? For me is one of those surprises and delights that the universe provided. Um, but my intention is just, where are the black designers, right? And, you know, I came across your image on like somebody's website or something who like does, you know, I don't know, virtual design or something, I can't even remember their name. But like my intention is to find out what is black design and who's designing, right? And what are those minds thinking about? That's the intention, right? How that manifests, I have no concept, right? But it's about the intention and then maybe just following the impulse, which led me to click on this guy's link, which then, you know, I saw all these faces and then I saw your face. And then I was like, oh, huh, okay. That's interesting. I wonder what he's doing. And then maybe I think I looked you up on like Instagram or something. And I was like, oh wow, this kid's doing like incredible stuff. And then we eventually started following each other, which is very interesting. And um and then I was just so like you stayed on my mind for I don't know, it was like probably like a couple of months at that point, maybe a month. And I was like, damn, like this is like the kind of person that I would love to have be a part of the Institute of Black Imagination. Like, this is like what I'm after. Um, and I like your work and I don't do this often or ever, but I just like, you know what, fuck it, Dario, get over yourself, get over your fucking ego, right? And just send this dude a message and say like, hey, I think the work you're doing is interesting. But what was crazy about that was, I did that, right? I just followed that impulse, right? Because, you know, and that's, I think, how a lot of even creativity happens. Is it an idea in your head that you know that if you don't follow through with it, you're gonna be fucking pissed with yourself or you won't be able to sleep. So you just fucking do it just so you can stop thinking about it. And so that's what it really is, right? You get to that point. And unbeknownst to me, on the Black Imagination Instagram, 12 hours before, literally, you sent the same message. Yeah. <laughs> like, and yeah. that's fucking nuts, right? Like that's fucking nuts. But for me, it speaks to, and, and then here we are. And then here we are having this incredible conversation. We've worked on a couple of projects together. There'll be more projects in the future. And, you know, and we, somehow called ourselves, called each other into each other's existence to have this very exchange, 
Um, and that's the ways in which the universe can surprise and delight you if you just allow for it. You know, and so I'm excited about that. I'm excited about more, um, more serendipitous um, meetings. You know, I'm excited about, you know, again, the ways in which this is going to come about because I don't know. I think I have an idea, but I'm only one person, right? I'm only one person with this frame of the world. And there are other people out there, you know, talking about like how whales can teach us how to like breathe. I'm like, and like, what is it? Like, what is it? What does song really mean, right? Like, I'm just like, no, I need some of that too. So that's exciting to me. That's exciting, um, you know? And there's some things that aren't gonna be so exciting, right? Like the things that I know that come with life, like death, um, like suffering, um, like, you know, breakups and feelings of loss, you know? And it's really interesting. Um, I had this experience just in Brazil um, and I was there with a friend and my Uber was coming to take me back to New York. Uh, well, <laughs> no, take me to the airport to get back to New York. Uh, I was not taking an Uber from Brazil to New York. Um, and I had this crazy sense of dread. And, but it was like, I was like, it manifested as nausea. And I couldn't quite place it. Like, I, I, it was a new emotion. I did not know what it was. But, like, every mask that I ever wore just fell away. And I felt like an empty shell. Like, sometimes when you do mushrooms and you look at yourself in the mirror, like, you dissolve. Very interesting. But, like, I just kind of dissolved in the moment. And what I could see, I could see like this life before me, right? Like this big life before me that required a lot of me, um, including knowing that in that path would be suffering, would be loss. Um, and yet I also had no choice but to walk into it. I had no choice but to walk into it. And, you know, Jean-Paul Sartre has this book called Nausea it's like a, about existential dread. And I'd read it before, speaking of reading, I read it before and I kind of theoretically got it, but now like I embodied it. I was like, oh, this is what he's talking about. Okay, wow. Like, I think that's what they call like the valley of the shadow of death. Like I felt like I was in the valley of the shadow of death because I realized all of a sudden that everything will pass away right, including me, that this is all temporary, that these are all, you know, it's like all the kind of rising and falling. It's like, and that, and that's, and that's, that's what I mean when I say everything is consciousness, right? It's just reconfigurations of the same material, but it's all immaterial. It's all temporary, including your relationships, including the people you love, including the things you love, including your home, including your dog, you know, including this iPad that I'm talking about, it's all just suspended. It's just 
temporarily suspended. And that just like wore me out, man. But it was really interesting because even in that moment, I knew that this moment would only, like I knew halfway to the airport, I'd be right as rain. But, that, but what met me in that experience was also, but yet, and yet, we still have beauty. Even in knowing all of that, we're still promised beauty. Like the flowers will still fucking bloom and there will still be beautiful people to gaze on and there'll still be great sex to have and great food to eat. And, you know, and it makes it almost all the more rich, right? Because knowing that all of these things are facts, right? All of these things, like there's no question that these, this will pass away, including my point of view on the world. That's, that's, that's real. But in the meantime, like you can really enjoy this, you know, and that's kind of beautiful. And that's also exciting that 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 kiss, that that steak or, you know, I don't know, tofu if you're vegan, um, can really still be so rich and so real, even if just for the moment and that you can enjoy that. Um, and so for me, that's exciting. Like more knowledge is exciting. Like more questions is, is like exciting because I know I don't know anything. I don't know anything. But even science proves like when we like gain a new skill or we learn something new, there's actually a dopamine hit there. Like we actually thrive off of that. Like we love that. And so for me, like, you know, that's exciting. Um, and I remember during the pandemic, I ran every day, this, you know, the, the summer, the fall, the winter. And I remember like when spring came and the park just fucking went crazy, you know, with fucking tulips and birds and bees and trees and, you know, all the shit just flourishing. And there was still, we were still in a fucking lockdown in pandemic and people were like depressed and crazy and death. And, and it was like, Nature can hold all of that, and so can you, right? Because we are not not a part of nature. We come out of nature like apples grow on fucking trees, right? We are of this material. And what you know it is saying to us is, how do you bloom in the midst of chaos, right? Even in the midst of decay, you can still fucking bloom. And that's incredible to me. And like, and that's the work. And when I look around, you know, I see so many individuals afraid to bloom. And like, what's more depressing than like seeing a tulip with a bulb, you know, with, you know, a bulb and it just won't fucking open. And you're like, fuck. Like, fuck, how many, how many of us are like afraid to fucking bloom because we've been told like, no bitch, you need to be a daffodil, <laughs> you know? And so you just don't open at all. You're like, fuck it, I'm afraid of what this, I'm afraid of what this is gonna be. 
you know, I'm, I'm afraid that I won't be. Like, no, bitch, just be. Like, just a lot. Um, and so that's what I'm excited about. I'm excited to bloom. That's wow. what I'm excited about. Welcome to the Institute of Black Imagination. <laughs> like, I think this is what is so beautiful, and I'll, and I'll end on this, is every time I talk to you, it, uh, it's, it's so apparent that you are uh, right for this, mm. for this work. Mm. Um, and I think that imbues me with excitement, not only uh, that I get to be a part of it, but that I get to uh, experience your passion articulated in such a clear, uh, excitable and actionable way. Like it gives me hope, I think every time we talk. Um, and I think, you know, that's where I'll round it off here, Daria. I think this was this was fantastic. Thanks so much for everything. Yeah, bro. Our, our like relationship has been so rich. And you're right, I think the universe kind of brought us together for this moment and for many more to come. And I'm excited for those and I'm excited to to be surprised by them so well thank you adam um this is as always always a great conversation thank you for just like sitting here as i like pontificate with like verb salad you know all over the place just vomiting all over myself um but you know this you know this has shown me so much um, and the scale of what has already manifested for like the Institute of Black Imagination is so vast that it continues to chop my ego like down to the ground. And not that it was ever, to be honest, like ego is just not a place that I generally operate from, but it's so clear that this actually has nothing to do with me. Like it's so clear that, um, my job here is really just to shepherd this along um, and to get the fuck out of the way, right? To like allow for it to be um, and continue to, um, yeah, just be present, you know? Like be present, you know, stay listening and, and be very clear, you know, about, you know, my intentionality. So, you know, as always, I think you are a genius, number one. Um, and two, as excited as you may be on your end, I am excited to be here at the beginning of what I know to be an incredible, incredible, not only like career, um, but impact and a mind that will allow so many other people um, an ability to manifest their own ideas and their own dreams. So thank you, brother. Thanks for everything. And uh, I'll catch you soon. Yeah, bro.
Am I crazy? You, you can be honest. I won't take it personally. I'm kidding. I will take it personally. <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in to this convo between Adam and I. He's such an incredibly talented designer. Be sure to check out more of his work on his IG at almost underscore Adam. And could you do me a favor and share this with just one friend you think would enjoy this content? Leave us a review over on Apple Podcast. Let us know your thoughts. And definitely shout us out over on IG and Twitter at Black Imagination. Oh, uh, and did you check out the visual podcast player over on blackimagination.com? Yeah, it's it's like a little it's like a little game in your pocket. And you, you are already on your way to becoming. You're already growing. We're just here to provide the nutrients you need to bloom. Stay curious and keep dreaming. <laughs>